podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov slash EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov slash EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wines and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Manchester City game this coming Sunday at Tamfield. Joining me one. Once again, it's Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter. Give him a follow at the Cop HQ, and regular with us on the Cop Table. So, how are you, Jay? Hello, Peter. You're okay. Um, bit disappointed with the other night, but you know we have to just focus now on the Manchester City game on Sunday and see what happens. Yeah, spot on. And joining me once again is Joe Doherty. Joe is a recurring guest with us for the Liverpool City podcasts. And always welcome to join us, aren't you, Joe? So, how are you, mate? Hi, lads. Good to be back. Um, not too bad at the minute. Much, much better spirits than I was last time I came on the podcast. Uh, things have taken a bit of an upward turn over here down the East Lanks Road. Yep, spot on, Joe. Tables have turned slightly, haven't they, since the, the start of the season and City are now top and we're, we're fighting for the, uh, for the rest of the places, aren't we, really, now? So... We're just going to start off by looking back over the, the Brighton game in midweek, Jay. Obviously, we went into that game coming off the back of two very good victories down in London against Tottenham and, and then West Ham. And then Wednesday night, um, we just we just didn't really turn up, did we? We had a, a chance early on with Mo Salah, who, who should have done better, really, and had a chance to put us 1-0 one one up and potentially could have been a different story. But, yeah, we... We just didn't create much. We were putting lots of balls into the box again against six foot four, six foot five defenders coming up against a lot smaller players that Liverpool had in the box, and we just we just didn't create anything. Did we? Just but just give us your thoughts on the the performance against Brighton, please, Jay. Well, I did say didn't I in the lead up to the game it was a potential banana skin game because on the back of two very good away victories, as you quite rightly say, against Spurs and West Ham. You know, there's always the thought that we could have one eye on the Manchester City game on this coming Sunday. And, you know, that to me did show that we probably did do. And it's very disappointing, really. But it's just in keeping with Liverpool's form at Anfield lately. It all started, didn't it, against West Brom, 27th of December. 1-1 draw against a very poor side. And then, you know, we backed that up with a 0-0 draw at home against Manchester United. And... You know, then Burnley done our unbeaten home record, didn't he? Beating us 1-0, which was a bit of a smashing grab, but Liverpool didn't perform well on the night and didn't really look like scoring, did we? Other than the, that Divock Origi chance and, you know, we should have scored at the bar and the rest is history because obviously we went on to lose the game. And pretty similar thing happened against Brighton, didn't it? Because, you know, we had that chance very early on with Mo Salah, should have done better, skied it over the bar and then... That was it then, set the tone, didn't it? Liverpool just did not really perform very well, didn't really create many chances, didn't... I think we had one, maybe two shots on target in the whole game. 
very frustrating really and when you look back at the Anfield form now we've scored one goal in our last four games at Anfield and it's simply not good enough because when you look at the calibre of opposition West Brom Manchester United okay they're up near the top of the table but still don't consider them as a top top team anymore um, and then obviously like Burnley and Brighton they're the type of teams that you should be scoring goals against and winning games of football and we simply haven't been doing it and just just very frustrating really but I could see it coming a million miles off and you know I think we're as Burnley beaters and as I said before a bit of a smashing grab they didn't deserve to beat us I think Brighton probably did deserve to beat us they had quite a few chances dangerous opportunities and Liverpool just couldn't break them down it was a frustrating night and once again going into the game before it, you hear all the rumours about Alisson being out and initially people thought he might have been injured and then it turns out he was ill before the game against West Ham, we had to deal with Sadio Mane being injured. Before the game against Spurs, we had to deal with Fabinho being injured. You know, we just can't catch a break, can we? And it all started, really, didn't it, with that derby game against Everton back in October when Van Zijk got injured and Thiago got injured. It's just been a nightmare ever since with injuries. You know, It just happens all the time to us now. And, you know, we did get away with it a little bit initially with Van Dijk because we went on a run where for a couple of months we, we sort of like coped with it. But it was always going to come home to roost really for me because he's a special player and he sort of like sets the tempo of how we play. You know, he, he, he's a man mountain, isn't he? He's a Rolls Royce, as we always say it. And the whole t- dynamics of how the team plays is totally different now. The team plays 10 yards deeper, so then the knock-on effect of that is we're not pressing as high up the pitch as we normally would do with Van Dijk in the side. And then there's a bigger gap then between the midfield and the attacking three. And it's it's just something's not quite right at the club, is it, at the moment? And, you know, it's frustrating because you've got midfield players playing in defence so when Fabinho's fit, you know, he's he's out of the midfield because he's playing centre-back because he's been our best centre-back this season. You've got Jordan Henderson filling in there as well, which we, we miss his legs then and his energy levels in the middle of the park. And yeah, it's great that we've got Thiago back playing in the middle, dictating play, but he, he's slow. It's like he's running in quicksand and... You know, he needs them legs around him. He needs like the, the, the stability and backbone and the spine of Fabinho there to sort of like mop up the pieces for him and the legs, the energy levels of Henderson to get round and to allow Fabinho, if, to, to allow Thiago, sorry, to dictate the play and set the tempo and, you know, do his little moments of magic. But when he's playing in the midfield with Wijnaldum and Milner, who, who's 35 now and, you know, Curtis Jones, a young boy, that, that's not a criticism of them. They're just not as good as Jordan Henderson and they're just not as good as Fabinho are in midfield. So Thiago's not looking the player that we signed from Bayern Munich because he's not got the players around him to make him have that freedom to express himself more. You know, as I say, when you see him chasing back, it's like he's running in quicksand and, you know, he's like a, a walking yellow card as well. He can't really tackle, can he? But that's not his game. So we need them to be on the ball and when we're controlling games of football and dictating play and switching switching the play and threading like you know, like brilliant through balls to the forwards and to the wide men. It's just infuriating at the moment. But like I say, all these injuries that we've got, it's just square pegs around holes with playing midfielders in in, in defence and it took until deadline day to sign a couple of centre backs and you know, yeah, that's it's sort of like the decision was made because Joel Matip's ended up being out for the season now. But anyone who thought he was going to be fit between now and May, they need their head testing. Liverpool needed a centre back on the first of January. It so happens now we've got two, but you know, 
the way Klopp tends to work, he loves to get like a couple of training sessions and you know get them to integrated into the squad and getting to know the teammates and the way we train and the way we play before he he, he puts them into the side into the starting lineups and it's a bit annoying really because is that going to happen at the weekend? Probably not, but. To me, I think he has to do it because, you know, if Fabinho's back now, if, if Mane's back, if Alisson's back, you know, you've got to have one, if not both of them in your midfield area with Thiago. But will he do it? I don't know. I mean, Davies has come from, like, the championship. Um, you know, he's, he comes with a big reputation, really. Like, the manager of Preston said he thinks he's the, he's the best centre-back in, in, in the championship this season so far. He's 25 years of age, but, you know, if you look at his career, his credentials, he's been at, like, all kinds of lower league clubs. That's not to say he's not good enough, who knows? But will Klopp really trust him in such a massive game against Man City when he's only been at the club, like, a couple of weeks, a week, like a week and a half or something? Um, in terms of Kabak, the Turkish lad, He's been playing in a really suffering, struggling side in the Bundesliga. Schalke, I think, the rock bottom. You know, they've conceded forty odd goals this season, which it's not not exactly great, is it? But that's not to say it's his fault. He might be a very good player. He's only still young, isn't he? I think he's only twenty. He's twenty one in March, so you know he's only a young boy himself, isn't he? Really. So it's just interesting that what Klopp does at the weekend, but it's infuriating that like we should have at least signed one of these players on the first of January for me. Because Gomez and Van Dijk have been out for the rest of the season from, from what, October, November time. So we knew straight away we needed someone in January. And it seems to me as though it's, they've only really decided to pull the trigger on trying to get a few boys in. Because Matip's now done for the season as well. But it's farcical. Because yeah. as I say, two of your best midfield players are having to play in defence. And, you know, it's, it, it's basically just backfired on us now and, and sooner or later it was always going to happen. There's no way we were going to get through a full season with the issues and the problems that we've had injury wise, especially in the defence. And, and it just hit us with a vengeance now. And it's, it, it's frustrating because, you know, Liverpool were top of the league at Christmas after we just battered Crystal Palace and we were all, you know, <laughs> cloud nine, wasn't it? Really thinking we were going to go back to back and win number 20. But, you know, obviously it's, it's took a turn for the worst and we've had a really bad five weeks. And in that time, Manchester City have got their, you know, they've basically got, got their act together and gone on an unbelievable run. They don't concede goals that Diaz has, and, you know, they've been winning games. And now all of a sudden now it's just turned on its head. I think Liverpool were seven points clear to City at one stage. And now all of a sudden we're, we're seven behind. No, it's it's a joke really in my opinion the way it's turned so so much in, in such a short short space of time. But here we are, we've got to deal with it now and in my heart of heart I think the title's gone as much as it hurts to say and I just think we're playing for top four now and you know, fair play to all the ones who are, who, who still believe we can do it. But even in my in my heart of heart, even if we win at the weekend against City, I still think the title's done. Okay, spot on, thanks, Jay. Okay, then over to yourself then, Joe. As, uh... Okay, parachute's ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Jay has just said then about the 
to City defence and, and not conceding any goals. Just just looking back at the previous games, the last time City conceded a goal in the the Premier League was the 3rd of January against Chelsea. Um, and after that, the only other team that scored against them was Cheltenham in the FA Cup. So there's been a big turnaround, hasn't there, in this um, in this Manchester City defence? And what's what's your thoughts? What are you putting it down to? Is it is it the introduction of Diaz, or is it the partnership with him and John Stones as as John Stones stepped up his game? What's what's changed in the fact that City are now now keeping clean sheets on a, on a, a regular basis, John? Well, it's absolutely remarkable, isn't it? We haven't been this good at the back, I don't think, at least since the Mancini days. And I think we're significantly better now at the back than we were back then. Um, I, I, I think Diaz is an absolutely huge factor. that You, you can't ignore the influence he's had on that defence. Uh, not saying he's as good as Van Dyke, but Van Dyke, when he came to you guys, he not only is a you know top draw centre back himself, but he made the other defenders really step their games up, and I really think Diaz has done that to our back four. Uh, you know, last season we were in a well similar position to yourselves, constantly saying, "Oh well, you know, Laporte being out's been such a huge miss for us," and now Laporte's not even really getting a look in. He's the third choice centre back because, yeah, John Stones, it's been amazing, really, hasn't it? Um, Someone who last summer, I think quite a lot of our fans were ready to see the back of. We just, he just, you know, made one mistake too many, just wasn't quite working for him. And this season, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, obviously the last month in particular, he's up for player of the month again in the Premier League. Um, obviously not only has he been defending well, he even scored a couple of goals against Palace and, and he got one against United, which is obviously always nice for, well, probably all of us on here. Um, yeah, I mean, the back four's been incredible. It's, it's, it's probably the best I've seen, I have seen in 23 years of Sporting City. It's the best I've seen us defend because it's not just about having quality individual defenders, which we've, we've kind of always had that with the likes of Company and Laporte. It's the fact that we are defending well as a unit and everyone knows their jobs. Um, so we would, so you say about Diaz, I think the other players that have really, really stepped up, uh, I mean, Ilkay Gundogan has been astonishingly good the last few weeks. Obviously, De Bruyne got injured against, I think it was Palace a few weeks ago, and everyone thought, oh, that could be a big loss for City. You know, that, that, a lot of United fans rubbing their hands together, but Gundogan has really stepped up. He's been, he's, he's, basically filled in the David Silver role that I was really worried we'd never really replace. And but he's stepped up, he's added goals, he's added assists. Obviously he's always been a very intelligent player and I think obviously your manager will know that better than most having managed him at Dortmund. But yeah. he's just really stepped his game up. He dictates play. He's always in the right place. So he's been very good. Um Cancelo's really stepped up. You know, again another player who last season we thought not really worked out. He's always going to be second fiddle to Walker. But he adds an extra dimension to the game because not only can he do the, the typical attacking right-back job, but he slots in well into midfield. He's a very good passer of the ball and has a very good vision. Um, obviously, Phil Foden, we're all very much enjoying him at the moment. He's scored some very important goals. He's, the thing, The thing as well that's so incredible about some of these players that are stepping up, especially the likes of Foden and Diaz, is Diaz has become a real leader at the back. Foden's become a real leader in 
going forward. And obviously, you look at games like that Cheltenham game. Okay, yes, they are in League Two, but we were one nil down. We didn't look like scoring, and he grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and showed a lot of maturity. These are young players. You know, um, Diaz is twenty three. Phil Foden's only twenty. They're showing a lot of maturity at this age. Um, there's just so much to be positive about going forward with that team. Um, in terms of our recent results, though. Like Obviously, like you've said, we've been very much back on form. I think Jay touched on it as well. We've been on an incredible run. But it's it's not been like the incredible runs we went on in sort of between around 2017 and 2019. Because back then, there was a real just, we are better than most teams in the league. We'll just beat them and show no mercy. We've had a real pragmatism about the way we've been winning recently. Like, there haven't been many. I mean, yeah, we won 5-0 at West Brom, but most of the game, there's been a lot of 1-0s and 2-0s. There's just a real sense of we know how to win these games very professionally. You know, No one's going to get near the goal. We're not going to let them create any chances. Get the goals we need and then just kill the game dead. And OK, it's perhaps not as entertaining as some of the football, excuse me, some of the football we were playing a couple of years ago. But equally a couple of years ago, there were games when it went horribly wrong, quite often against you lot, actually. Whereas now, that's why I'm slightly more optimistic going into the game this weekend, to be honest. It's purely because I just feel like we have an extra dimension in our game that not only makes us win games, but moreover makes us harder to beat. And that just wasn't really a thing a couple of years ago. Right. OK, spot on. Joe, you had some, um, some very interesting points there about City's recent form and, and the potential reasons behind it. So, yeah, going back over to yourself, Jay, obviously you did touch on it before about the the signings of Quebec and, and Davis, but just how surprised was you, you to see that it was these two players that Liverpool brought in, Jay? Obviously, Davis has come from the, from the Championship, Preston North End, apparently a... Very good player by all accounts. Don't claim to have seen of as much of him as as other people have, but I do know a few people at Preston North End, and they've they've told me that he's a great lad. He's a, he's a very good learner and prepared to listen, and he's he'll surprise a few people with with how he plays. Um, and then you brought we brought in Kabak as well from Schalke, haven't we? But just just give us your thoughts. Was you surprised that it was was these two players and and some not somebody else who Liverpool had in mind? Well, I mean, all the talk was Mustafi initially, wasn't it? Which, again, would have been a bit of a shocking signing because we've criticised him for a number of years at Arsenal. Bit of a comedy there at the back and the amount of mistakes that he makes. And But it, it did seem like he was going to be the one because, you know, look what's happened now. He's, he's gone out of his Arsenal contract. He's ended up at Schalke, ironically, to replace Kabak. But he was certainly available. And I think people looked at it as, you know, he's, he's German, so obviously compatriots with, with Jürgen Klopp, and, you know, obviously no matter what you say about him and you criticise him, but he's a World Cup winner, isn't he? And he's a Euros winner with Germany. Uh, God only knows how he got international recognition with Germany, but he, he was part of the World Cup squad and he was also part of the Euros squad, and he's won FA Cups as well with Arsenal, so he, he's a bit of a winner as well, and he knew the Premier League, and I think he's 28 or something, so there was some credentials there to, to sort of like reason with the fact that maybe Mustafi would have been brought in as an option, but thankfully that wasn't to be the case and we've ended up going for like a 25 year old from the championship who by all accounts has, you know, got high hopes that he could be a good player in the future. 
um, done very well in the Championship this season. And also uh, an up-and-coming player, really, from the Bundesliga in Kabach, who Liverpool had some interest in last summer as well. So, you know, it, it's what I also find interesting about it, though, is it just proves the point that we are absolutely skint as a football club, though, doesn't it? Because, let's be honest, this Davies cost us half a million with 1.1 million in add-ons. You look at Kabach, we've got him on loan, which cost us 1.5 million on loan with a view to potentially signing him in the summer for around £18 million. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Liverpool have spent a grand total of £2 million in that last transfer window to get two centre-half. So what does that tell you? It tells you that we've just got no money, simple as that. And it's all being stored and weighted and geared up for a big summer ahead. Allegedly, that's all the talk, isn't it? Um, but I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, Liverpool needed bodies. We needed someone who could play centre-half, because we've got... If you look back to last season, the team, the squad that won the title last year, the four centre-backs we had last season are all unavailable to us now, this season. We never replaced Dejan Lovren. Van Dijk got injured in October. Gomez got injured in November. And Joel Matip, as I say, he's been in and out the team all season anyway. But he ends up getting injured in January in the Tottenham game. So all four centre-backs from last season, the title-winning centre-backs, are unavailable. All gone, all gone. So you're relying on, as I said before, I touched on it before, didn't I, when I was talking about the Brighton game and the the issues that we've had. We're relying on two midfield players in Fabinho and Henderson to play centre-back for us, who are fantastic professionals. Fabinho is actually being outstanding at centre-back. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash savings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Root Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. But he's much yeah. better playing centre mid, isn't he? You've had Henderson who, you know, he played there in the World Club Cup, didn't he, against that team we played in the, I think it was, uh, was it a Mexican team that we played Monster. in the... In, in the semi-final, he played against them the first time he played there. And then obviously he's played there a couple of times this season for us. And again, we haven't conceded many goals when he's played centre-back. Again, exemplary attitude. He's the captain for a reason. Leads by example. Good talker, good passing range. So he's done well. He's adapted to it like a duck to water. Not quite as good as Fabinho, but he's still done a job there. But that's besides the point. They're midfield players. It's square pegs, round holes. It's ridiculous. So who's the alternatives? Nat Phillips. And to be fair to Nat Phillips, he's played about five games now. And and he's done quite well in most of the games, to be fair to the lads. You know, people criticise him and say he's really slow. But I think he's good in the air. I think his positional sense at times looks quite good. And he's a lot more mature than what Reese Williams is, for example. Um, and as I say, the other example, the other the other option we've got is Reese Williams, who's 19. And, you know, he had an absolute nightmare, didn't he? And at Old Trafford in the FA Cup. Um, disastrous game for him. But it's not his fault. He's a 19-year-old boy playing in such a massive game, high-profile game. And, 
you know, previous to that earlier on in the season, he'd done quite well against Tottenham at home, against Harry Kane and Son. Um, you know, he'd done quite well at against Atalanta in Europe, who have got like a really good attack and side, and we went away from home there and he played centre back that night. So look, you know, Phillips and Reese Williams have done a job in, in certain games for us. But you could never ever rely upon them between now and May, especially if you if you're going for a title or you're trying to get in the top four, because they're simply not at the level required. You know, they've made a few mistakes, certainly Reese Williams anyway, and it's inevitable that it was gonna happen because they're inexperienced and they're young. Um so as I said before, it's ridiculous that we had to wait till the till the first of February deadline day to get these centre backs in, because they should have been signed on the first of January. So we've faffed around for a month, um and an hour, and whether or not Matip's going to be able to play like games, which he can't. We know he can't because his game time has to be managed because he's a yeah. prone cracker. He is a prone cracker, and people might say, "Oh, <laughs> like a laugh and joke about it on Twitter." But what? How else? How? How else can you describe Joel Matip? He is a popper, dog. He's a prone cracker. There's no two ways about it, and it's so infuriating because when he plays, he's a Rolls Royce. He's brilliant. He's a very good player. There's no doubt about that. Very good centre half. He's brilliant in the air, but he's just never ever fit. So he's he's not dependable, and it's beyond a joke now. But this they should have known this though. So I just for the life of me, this season this title was there for the taking. Man City had a shock and start. Really, you're in a little bit of transition. They've stumbled across this pair now of Diaz and Stones, which has been outstanding for them. You haven't seen them many goals. But there's no doubt about it. They were in transition at the start of the season. They'd lost David Silva, massive influential player in that team and in that squad in the dressing room. They still hadn't come to terms with losing Vincent Company the season before. Um, you know, we all know De Bruyne is absolutely outstanding footballer. But Phil Foden's come on leaps and bounds this season. But that was no given. No one really knew. He was still a young boy. He still had to do it. And he has done it, to be fair to him. But you look at the forward area as well with them. They've been without Aguero for most of the season. And Gabriel Jesus, he does me head in because he always seems to score against us. He scored against us in the, in the return fixture at the Etihad. He scored against us in the Champions League game. Um, and no doubt he'll probably score against us on Sunday as well. But to me, he's not good enough. They need better than him because he's not fit to lace Aguero's boots, in my opinion. But what I'm trying to say is even he's been out injured a part this season. So they've had to play Torres up front or Sterling up front this season at times. So they, no doubt about it, City have been in a little bit of transition this season. But Liverpool have missed the boat because, you know, when we were top at Christmas time, we had a really good opportunity to stretch a gap and go seven, eight, nine, ten points clear. And we absolutely blew it. And you can't just blame it on not signing the centre back because, you know, obviously the forwards stopped scoring and we, we went through a really barren spell where we couldn't score goals. But I don't think it's just as simple as saying, oh, let's blame the forwards because the dynamics of the team totally changed. When you take two really good midfield players out of your midfield area and put them in your defence, the dynamics of the team changes because you're not as strong in midfield. You're also thinking the midfield players are also 
mindful, aren't they, that the defensive issues that we've got, they want to protect like the, the back line more than ever before. They're not going to be as as adventurous because they can't be because they don't want to leave the back door open. So it's just it's just been a bit of a, a nightmare, really, because as I say, the, the last five or six weeks have been a bit of a disaster, apart from a couple of really good away performances. Um, and here we are now looking at the table and we've got a mountain to climb. And I just can't see it, as I said before. I, I don't want to come across too negative about it. We've had a fantastic couple of years, three three fantastic seasons, really. You know, last year winning the Premier League title, all of our dreams come true. We'd waited such a long time for it. The year before, we got that monkey off our back, really, didn't we, by winning the European Cup. You know, Klopp had been brilliant, but he just hadn't brought success to the club. And then, all of a sudden, bang! We 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 win, we win the European Cup, and it was it was fantastic. And even the season before that, you know, going so close in in the league. Oh, sorry, we went so close in the league to win the league in nineteen, but in eighteen, we done quite well, didn't we? That season, Mo Salah was on fire, and we got to a European Cup final and lost in Kiev to to Real Madrid. So we've had three fantastic seasons out of this group of players. They've given us absolutely everything. Fantastic, phenomenal, you know. Like Jurgen Klopp's an absolute legend, and all of them players are. They'll go down in folklore. There's no doubt about that. But this season's been very disappointing, and you know it's. I, I, you can't really blame the players and manager too much because we've had we've just been cursed with injuries. Nobody has had has suffered as badly as Liverpool have with injuries. It is almost like we've had a curse, a, a spell put on us this season. I just can't believe that we've. We've had like so many injuries. It's just, it, it's ridiculous, really. Like what's happened to, to to the club in terms of you know not just we've had a few COVID issues, but like the injuries that we've had, the muscle problems, like minor muscle injuries that like you think might keep a player out for a game and it ends up being three or four weeks. You know, it, it's just beyond belief, really. You know, we Jota was brilliant at the start of the season, and then he goes and gets injured in a dead rubber game against Michelin's and. He's not been seen since, and Naby Keith has been missing since before Christmas. You know what's going on with him? Meant to be on this like training program or something, trying to build himself up, but not been seen for a couple of months. Um, you know, Fabinho's had a second injury of the season, and he never ever used to get injuries before he came to Liverpool. Allison, you know, he's he's had two injuries this season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had an illness the other night against Brighton. Hopefully, he'll be mm-hmm. back for the City game, but. You know, I've never known anything like it in my life, to be honest with you, Peter, and we've had to deal with that. And, it, you know, it's, it's probably remarkable that we're in the top four still with all the issues that we've had to deal with. But like I say, you can't help feel a bit disappointed at the fact that we were top of Christmas and here we are now four, seven points adrift of the leaders and it just deflates you, doesn't it? So all we can do is focus on this game on Sunday and make sure we try and put in a, a great performance and see what happens and hope that we can get three points. Yeah, like you say, top of Christmas and now in the position we are, only got ourselves to blame, haven't we? So, like you say, we've got to pick ourselves up and, and try and go again against Manchester City on Sunday. So, yeah, we're just going to have a little chat about the potential starting lineups. I've seen somewhere, Joe, I had a little read, done a little background work on, on City today, and a few reports were saying that Guardiola potentially may be back into the side. Um, what's your thoughts on that? And how do you expect City to line up uh, tactically and uh, player-wise as well, please, Joe? I think um, I, I, I hope we don't make too many drastic changes because 
we've come unstuck in the past when we've gone into big games and Pep's kind of overthought it a bit. I would 100% make my 11. Um, Edison in goal, no real question. He'll be there. He's been really good for us this season. I've Cancelo at right back because I think he brings something more to the team. Don't run, I think Carl Walker has been great for us and he's a very good player and he will still have a part to play. But I would I would play Cancelo at right back for this game. Uh Diaz and Stones at centre back, you don't change your winning formula. Uh but I'd also um I would stick with the back four from the other night and keep and put Laporte in as a sort of inverted left back it was because because Cancelo goes up into midfield a lot, we we kept switching to a back three. And I think with your right. forwards, you've obviously got probably the still on paper one of the best forward lines in world football. You need to be prepared for them. They're obviously going to have a they'll they'll be well up for this game especially. And I think having obviously Laporte as a left back did come unstuck at Anfield a few years ago. But in a game like this, I think those three at the back. That's going to be the hardest. That's going to be right up there with one of the hardest tests that that Liverpool front three's come up against. So I'd like to see Laporte play. Uh, in midfield, I, I really want to see Fernandinho back in the side. Um, Rodri, who I think I had a bit of a go at last time I was on here, he has improved greatly last few weeks. Take nothing away from him. But Fernandinho just knows these games. And I think he'd be really good. You know, he's, he's very technically gifted. I think he'd be perfect for this game in midfield. Cause that's where time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. The game's going to be won and lost ultimately. Uh, next to him, the main man at the moment, old Kai Gundawan. Gotta be in the team. He's been our best player for the last few weeks. Um, first name on the team sheet, in my opinion. Um, then up front, uh, I would play Phil Foden on the left. I think he's, he, he kind of writes itself there. He has been exceptional. He'll be so up for this game. And you need, you need a lot of energy playing in a match like this. And Phil Foden is perfect for that. I would play on the right, I'd play Raheem Sterling. Um, I think this is his big chance to break his Anfield duck because I think sometimes the atmosphere at Anfield with all the fans on his back. And I'm not saying, I'm not defending him. I don't think that's a good enough excuse. You know, you, you're a professional footballer. But I do think that gets to him and that's why he's never really had a good game at Anfield. I'm hoping that without the fans there, you know, maybe the one good thing about them in no fans is that it might help him in this game. Controversially up front, I'm not going to go with Gabriel Jesus. I want us to play the false nine, which we've been doing quite a lot um, recently. And I'd play Bernardo Silva because I think very good at linking the midfield and the attack and the, I think as well a lot of teams in England aren't very accustomed to defending against a false nine um, and obviously with the you use have not been as solid at the back as you have been over the last few years and I think that it might sort of catch you a bit unstuck if we did that and make us a bit harder to defend against I mean of course on the other hand nine as well so if anyone at your back four perhaps know the tactics that go behind that better than other teams but I, I still quite like us playing the false nine so that's my 11 for this game okay thanks Joe and Jay over to you now give us your thoughts on the, the potential lineup for, for Liverpool in this this game against City on Sunday please 
it's very difficult, Peter, to to really assess and to really choose because it would not surprise me in the slightest if Klopp just played it safe and went with Henderson and Fabinho, which to me is just a waste of time because I I understand you don't want to go gung-ho against a team like City because, you know, they're a very good side. And I know Joe said before that they haven't really given many hidings out this season. They've been a lot more close in games, they've just been professional and got the job done and won one or two nil in a lot of games this season, quite narrowly. And that is true. But I just think we need to change it. We need to mix it up. We've just had five or six weeks there of yeah, okay, couple of decent away performances, but at Anfield it's 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 not good enough. It's awful. We just can't break teams down playing the way we have been with the four three three and playing the personnel that we have with players out of position, square pegs round holes, as I said before. So I'd I'd like to see at least one of Henderson Fabinho in midfield, if not both of them, to be honest, because again, as Joe quite rightly said there, this is a game where in midfield the game could be won and lost because it's all about supremacy and controlling the game of football and I know City do see a lot of the ball, but Liverpool tend to see a lot of the ball in games as well. And if there's one team that probably does see more possession in games than us, it is normally Man City. But I just think to to sort of like cancel that out a little bit, Liverpool need to go strong in the middle of the park. And to go strong in the middle of the park, that means Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho for me. It just means that, you know, there's no way Klopp's going to pair two new boys together, though, Kabak and Davies. So unless he plays Phillips there... I don't know, but this is what I'm saying. It's very difficult to second-guess what Klopp's going to do in this game, to tell you the truth, because if I had my way, I'd play that midfield, I'd have just said. But I just don't think Klopp will do it. I really don't. And, you know, it's good that Mane's back in training. It's good that Fabinho's back in training. It's good that Alisson's back in training. So I expect all three to start. I mean, I know people all have the doubts, because, let's be honest... As as we said before about the new signings, he likes to get a couple of training sessions into them. Well, it's the same with injured injured players, players returning, recovering from injuries. He likes to get a couple of training sessions into them as well, doesn't he? So it is interesting to see whether Fabinho, Mane and Alisson will all start, but I'm sure they will. It's a big game and there was the talk that Mane and Fabinho were touch and go for the game against Brighton, to be honest, and I just reckon... You know, he held them back a little bit more for the, for that game purely because of this City game and maybe thought we, we had enough to just maybe get through Brighton but it was a mistake one and if that's the case it's backfired because we've ended up losing that game and basically yeah. our, our, t- our title hopes are all up in flames now really we had to win that game for me and we didn't and the rest's history so you know maybe you can look at it now as the pressure's off a little bit going into this game in City because you know, it's not really much of a focus anymore on going for the title. The focus is just trying to get in the top four. So maybe you can go into this game and think, well, look, you know, everyone's expecting City to win the league and maybe some people are expecting City. Because don't forget, Liverpool have lost the last two home games. So people are probably looking at City thinking, well, we're expecting City to get a result at Anfield on Sunday, you know, whether it be a draw or a victory. So... You know, maybe the, the pressure will be off a little bit, but it's still a massive game of football. However you want to dress it up, these are the two best teams in the league and have been for like the last three years. So, you know, it's still a, a massive, massive rivalry, modern day rivalry. It's a massive game and, 
you know, there's a rivalry amongst the players as well. Let's not forget that because, you know, we all, we, we won't forget what happened at the Etihad last season when we just won the title and yeah, we got a guard of honour, but certain players didn't really, it was half hearted and one player in particular, Bernardo Silva, didn't even clap. So, you know, that should still be fresh in the mind of some of these Liverpool players and, you know, that won't be forgotten. There's certainly a rivalry, as I say, amongst them, the group of players and, you know, City have also got Raheem Sterling in the lineup. Who, you know, there's 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 a few issues with him as well. Certainly with the fan base, anyway, towards him. So, make no mistake, Liverpool will be up for this game. But I do think maybe there'll be a little bit of pressure off us now because you know it is what it is. It's not really a title decider for me at all now. So hopefully we can go and express ourselves a little bit more and take the game to City a little bit. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll have the front three available and, and also it's it, I'd like to think we'd go strong in the middle of the park but you, you just can't help but look at that centre half the centre half issue it, it's it's a massive problem in it because when you look back to last season the title winning group of players all four of them are not there so it's just a botch job whatever you do with the centre back of our defence central of our defence it's just a botch job in it no matter what so whether you play Fabinho in there, Anderson in there, Davis in there, Kabak in there, Phillips in there, however you do it, whatever the pairing is, it's going to be a botch job. So it is what it is, unfortunately, and we're just going to have to try and get through it between now and May. Hopefully one of Kabak and Davis hits the ground running and they look good and they can partner maybe Fabinho between now and the end of the season there. I don't know, but... You know, it's all ifs and buts at this moment in time, isn't it? And it's going to be very interesting to see what clock goes with on Sunday. Spot on. Thanks, Jay. OK, before we go then, chaps, we're going to do the, the score predictions like we always do on each podcast. So, seeing as all Liverpool's the, the home side, I'm going to ask Jay first for his his thoughts on the scoreline and your, your reasons for that, please, Jay. OK, well... I mean, obviously, I've been a bit downbeat and I've been a bit negative tonight on the podcast because, obviously, you're bound to be, aren't you? We've just lost at home to Brighton. We're miles adrift of, of City at the top of the table now, really. Um, but I'm going to be positive with my prediction, believe it or not, because I know I take on board Man City have not really been conceding many goals this season and... I take on board that they're in really good form and Liverpool aren't really in great form, Hardy, to tell you the truth. But I always think with Liverpool, we struggle when a team comes to Anfield and just puts men behind the ball and sits deep and, like, you know, obviously we, we fail to break them down because, as I said before, the dynamics of the team's totally changed now. We're losing Van Dijk out your back line and players playing out of position and what have you. But one thing is a guarantee with City even though they've been a lot more professional this season and they've been a lot more solid, shall we say, defensively, they're not going to just sit back and put men behind the ball and allow Liverpool to have possession. They're going to try and take the game to Liverpool as well and trust in the players that they've got and try and you know, create chances against us. And It's going to be a good game of football, you'd imagine, because two very good football on sides. But I just think... There'll be goals in the game, I really do. Regardless of City not conceding many this season, I just got a feeling Liverpool will have a point to prove a little bit. You know, at the end of the day, we're still the champions. Maybe not for much longer, but we are still the champions. And you know, I think we will have a point to prove. And as I said before, you know, there's, there's a big rivalry between these two group of players, and I do expect City to score one or two as well because, for obvious reasons, we've got issues at the back. 
Um, and they've got players who can score goals. It's as simple as that and can cause us problems. De Bruyne being out is, is, is an issue for them because he's a very creative player and he's an assist machine. Um, but, you know, they've got such a massive squad and so many very good players to cause us problems as well. It's only natural, I think, that they will score a goal or two. But I'm going to go for goals in this game and it would not surprise me in the slightest after Liverpool losing at home to Brighton. They won't want to lose three on the spin, but I'm going to be positive and I've got a feeling it's going to be a 3-2 Liverpool win. OK, so a 3-2 victory in the favour of Liverpool for Jay. OK then, Joe, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the scoreline and uh, your reasons for that, please. Well, as you know, you've had me on this podcast for many years. I don't think in all that time we've not mm. done particularly well at your ground. I'm never optimistic going to Anfield. Everything is in our favour going into it. We're playing well at the back and you're not doing too well going forward, not to mention it. But oh, it's just... It's, I don't even want to say I'm optimistic because it's just, it feels wrong going into this match. So I'm going to say that I'm less pessimistic than usual. And I'm going to, and if we never, if we don't win this weekend, right, we're never going to win at Anfield. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Man City win. I've actually done it. I've predicted an away win at Anfield, lads. Gone brave, Joe, with a 2-1 victory for City. Yeah, just my own thoughts on a, on a scoreline and, and the reasons for that. I think um, it's going to be a, a very tight game, to be honest. A lot of these these games between the top six sides, if you like, don't seem to produce a lot of goals. Sometimes they can be quite boring at times, if you like. Um, from the games that I've seen recently, as you've seen last night with, with Tottenham and, and Chelsea, wasn't the best of games. and It happened with Liverpool United the other week, a nil-nil draw. So I'm going to go... I'm, going to go with a, a 1-0 victory for Liverpool in this game. I just think it's going to be one of the, one of them where they'll, they'll sort of cancel each other out for, for long periods of the game and defences. Obviously City have got the stronger defence at the moment but I just think we'll we'll want to tighten up for this game and with Alisson back that'll give us that, that confidence behind the back four as well so I just think it's going to be a a very tight game, and I'm going to go with a 1-0 victory for Liverpool in this fixture. Okay, so just before we go, I have to say big thanks to the LFC Day Trippers lads, uh, Gav, Phil, and everyone over there who puts out our podcasts on their platforms. Don't forget to keep up with the No More Knives campaign with Paul Bentley. He's got a GoFundMe page on at the moment. He's doing doing some initiative that if you want to look on the Cop Table page, you'll see that, and if everyone could give that a a retweet as well. He's uh, raising money for the for the No More Knives campaign, and we, we hope to get Paul on the the podcast in the in the next few weeks. There, I've spoken to him, and he's he's keen to come on and and talk about that, and, and also talk about Liverpool as he is a, a big Liverpool fan as well. So yeah, keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign. That that'll be uh, much appreciated. So thanks very much to Jay and thanks very much to Joe for joining me tonight, lads. Much appreciated your time there. Pleasure as always, mate. Yeah, cheers, boys. Hopefully it's a good game on Sunday, but uh, the team in Red Wing. Fingers <laughs> uh, crossed, Jay. Hopefully, hopefully we end, was it 18 years of hurt? <laughs> yeah, all will be revealed on, hopefully on Sunday not. afternoon. Yeah, fingers crossed it's a good game and uh, yeah, the Red Men come out with a victory and try and get ourselves back up that table. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back with uh, another 
preview podcast in the next next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sports Social Podcast Network.